Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hello, beloved family. How are you doing? I am very well here in Beloit. We are very well here in Beloit. We are so happy um, to be in Kansas, to be in Beloit, Kansas, the most special town, the most special people I've ever met, and um, everything God is bringing together. We waited four years for a home and all kinds of things to come together and God is um, blessing us without end, and through all of you as well. Um, we found a new home that we just signed a contract on, and um, so many people have been so generous to assist us, and um, we hope, we pray that you are praying the novena to Our Lady of Victory um, for the re-election of President Trump. We don't doubt it could happen. We don't know what God will do, but he certainly can. He is the God of the impossible. Nothing's impossible for him. And um, uh, if, we're, if we're wrong, we're wrong. If we're right, we're right. And we're never wrong because we always pray according to God's will. So if you have not, I've had a ton of emails on the Novena, so many people are praying it with us. And on uh, Novena to Our Lady of Victory, who won the Battle of Lepanto through the Rosary, and she became known as Our Lady of the Rosary. Uh, actually, I learned that yesterday was uh, Our Lady of Victory's feast day, which I, I didn't realize before. And I have so many emails from people who cannot find the Novena. And don't worry about the exact Novena that we're praying. Um, I can tell you where it is. I think I mentioned it to you yesterday. And I believe that um, it's up on our Facebook page. Um, that Station of the Cross put it on our Facebook page. It's, it's HTTPS colon two forward slashes. Novena Prayer, one word, dot com slash 2020 slash 09 slash 29 slash Our Lady of Victory. Novena, there's a little hyphen between each of those words. Our hyphen, Lady hyphen, of hyphen, Victory hyphen, Novena. And some people have asked me um, where day two is. And of course, today is day four. Um, and it's day one, and then there's a series of boxes for donations, which uh, is just permanently up on their site, and below that is day two, and below that is day three. And so just keep scrolling down and you'll find it. But it could be any novena to Our Lady of Victory. It does not have to be the one that we are praying. And then uh, some have asked when they pray the rosary. We pray the novena online followed by the rosary each day. But there's no formula. If you pray the rosary first or at a different time, it's all right in union with Our Lady of the Victory for the intention that President Trump will be continue to be president for four more years. Um, I think a lot of people who are against President Trump are truly panicking, trying to get him out of office uh, by impeachment, 
uh, 25th Amendment, and um, Vice President Pence has said, no, that's not what the 25th Amendment is for. It's for a president who is disabled and uh, sick and can't continue. That's not the case with President Trump. Um, and also, they're, I think, a little panicking that they've got to get him out of office before the 20th. But um, that's God's business and um, they, they're, I think the main charge is the uh, violence at the Capitol. It's already been proven that Antifa planned that prior, beforehand, and most of the people were Antifa and um, Black Lives Matter addressed as patriots. Uh, so uh, Trump did not spur that on. It's already been proven. And um, just keep praying, beloved. Keep praying for the protection of President Trump, for his safety, and for God's will to be done, um, uh, especially that President Trump would be elected for the next four years. Um, it is beyond me, I mentioned this yesterday, utterly beyond me, how people, I've had emails from people who had, take me off your, your mailing list, I didn't, I didn't think you, I didn't understand that you were such a person that would pray for Trump and all that. Well, I am, because I don't pray for personality. If I like someone, that's a bonus, but I have uh, the United States in mind, and the world in mind, and uh he is the most pro-life president ever to come on the scene. Um, let me just see. I think, I think yesterday. Let me just see if I can come across this. Um, no, 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 no. Um, I don't know where I put it. I might have deleted it. Um, let me just see. Um, I don't know where it is right now. But yesterday's life site news. I'm going to find it, um, but yesterday's LifeSite News had an article on President Trump's accomplishments uh, since he's in office. It's quite remarkable, and I think it's worthy, uh, worth for us to know that and acknowledge that. The most pro-life president ever elected, and um, no matter what anyone thinks of Trump, um, there's nothing equal to the evil of murder in a mother's womb, abortion. There's nothing equal to that, uh, nothing at all. Uh, I won't start listing the things that people think. There's nothing equal to direct murder, even if people are slaves, even if they're uh, all kinds of things done to them. They're not being killed on the spot. There's hope for them. There's hope for them to be free. There's hope for them to get out of the situation. Um, uh, so a baby has no choice and it's just ripped apart, ripped. Can you imagine, can you imagine your own body? Uh, if someone puts you into, um, the, I don't know, a, a shell, put your whole body into some kind of soft shell and then you saw this uh, incredibly big pliers coming and it grabbed one of your arms and pulled it out of your body and another arm and a leg and a, another leg and then uh, got something even larger than that and put it around your head and crushed it so that you could be small enough to come out of the hole in that shell. Can you? It's, it's ridiculous. Um, analogy I'm giving you, but we uh, people just don't get it. 
They don't get it that if Biden is in, millions and millions more babies, more than ever before, will be murdered in their mother's womb. And the family will be destroyed through same-sex marriage and all of that. If Trump gets in, we'll be protected from all of that. I don't care whether you like him or not. I've never announced that I like him. I, I, I happen to not be against him. I do like him. I'm not approving of his whole life. Uh, I'm not approving of my whole life. Um, but the issue is the, um, the life and the freedom of others, life, liberty, and the pursuit of um, happiness. We have that. So um, uh, I, I can't imagine why anybody how anybody, I've had emails, I can't vote for that vile man, Trump. Well, don't vote for the vile man. Vote for millions of babies to save them so that they're not killed. It's beyond me. It's, it's, it's just beyond me how people can think like that. What can I tell you? So I want to return, dear ones, to um, the letter to the Ephesians, which we've been reading. It has six chapters, and we've all already read four uh, uh, the ending of the fourth chapter, which we read uh, yesterday, uh, is subtitled in this particular um, uh, version that I'm reading. It's the New American uh, Standard, a revised standard Catholic version. And a, a little section is subtitles, Rules for the New Life. So I cho- chose Ephesians as our New Year's resolution. This, no matter what resolutions you've made, dear ones, <clears throat> go to the book of Ephesians. Let that be your New Year's resolution. Apostle Paul tells us all we've received in Christ, his grace, his love, his having chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, all the grace we've received and that he's broken down the middle wall of partition, two people, Jew and Gentile, a thousand groups today against one another. But there's only two people, Jew and Gentile, and now there's one man in Christ, in his body. There's no longer Jew, Jew and Gentile, there's one man in Christ. <clears throat> And Paul writes the end of chapter four, therefore, putting away falsehood, let everyone speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Wives, husbands, if you have a spat or a fight and you go to sleep that way, the devil has won. The devil, has, your anger hasn't won. The devil has won. If you reconcile before the sun goes down, you will save your marriage and you will be with God. Oh, okay. I always, breaks come up too soon every time. So there's the music for our first break. And at our second break, we'll begin to take your calls, your texts, and your emails. And I'll, the toll-free number is one 511 5483 or email at mother at We'll be right back. Don't go away.
LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. here on the Station of the Cross for the Liturgy of the Hours at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern with the Office of Readings read at 3 o'clock. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus tells us, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Liturgy of the Hours is also known as the Divine Office and is the daily prayer of the Church. So you know you'll be uniting your prayer with priests, religious, and laity throughout the world. It's comprised of small reflections, readings from sacred scripture, and writings from saints and theologians. To learn more about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Pray with us each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are right in the middle of our New Year's resolutions, which is Paul's letter to the Ephesians, which I've mentioned each day he wrote while in chains. He was under house arrest, chained to a guard, and I love it because the guard was changed to him, and I think the guard was, con- the guard was converted by him. And he wrote to... Um, the, uh, to the Christians in Ephesus, the church he founded in Ephesus, and um, it's six chapters, and um, he um, um, told them all they had in Christ, that they were chosen in him before the foundation of the world, that they're saved by grace, not by works, through faith. And it doesn't mean they don't have to do works. The next verse says they're saved unto good works, and that's coupled with James who said, faith without works is dead. Faith is indeed the fruit of good works, but it is the necessary fruit of good works. And so Paul says, um, uh, in chapter 4, he said, putting away falsehood, let everyone speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his hands so that he may be able to give to those in need. 
Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only such is as is good for edifying, as fits the occasion that it may impart grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, in whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Those are our marching orders, beloved, and our New Year's resolution, uh, resolutions, and here is the sum of them, chapter 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But immorality and all purity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is fitting among saints. It's not fitting among saints, immorality and impurity or covetousness. Paul says, let there be no filthiness, nor silly talk, nor levity, which are not fitting. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Be sure of this, that no immoral or impure man or one who is covetousness, that is, an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for it is because of these things that the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not associate with them. For once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is a shame even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it is said, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. Christ shall give you light. Paul continues the same theme in, the, in chapter 5 of Ephesians. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery and be filled with the spirit. Uh, Instead of being drunk with wine, be drunk with the spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, always and for everything, giving thanks in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God the Father. It's so beautiful. We have a young sister here who loves to sing all the time. All the time she sings beautiful songs and hymns to God. She even asked for our recreation time. We have each day just about 45 minutes. She said, could we sing during that time? And, and we say, yes, we love it. Sing from the Adoramus hymnal. Be subject, chapter 5, verse 21. 
be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. We are here in this um, uh, religious community, daughters of Mary, mother of Israel's hope. We are subject to one another. We have, you know, people are subject to their superior, but they are subject to one another as well. Um, they look upon each other as Christ and they are subject. Well, that sister told me to do this. She has no right. Oh, yes, she does. Yes, she does. Come under one another. Love one another. Obey one another. Be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, listen up. Be subject to your husbands as to the Lord. And you say, oy vey, oy vey, you don't know my husband. No, I don't, but I know who God is, and he's talking to you. Be subject, wives, to your husband as to the Lord. Why, why, why? For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. As the church is subject to Christ, so let wives also be subject in everything to their husbands. This is very painful. Some wives think, come on, this is archaic. It was written 2,000 years ago. It doesn't apply today, as if God didn't see the 21st century. Of course, every word of Scripture applies to today. It's outside of time, and it is God's plan, absolutely. And say, but I can be subject to Christ. Okay, he's God. He loves me. He died for me. He gave his life for me, of course. But to my husband, he's nothing like Christ. He's supposed to be, but he's not. And I can't be subject to that man. He's, he's lazy. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. He, you know, he, all whatever he does. And, but God says, um, as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives also be subject in everything to their husbands. You gotta be. As the church is subject to Christ, yes, but he's God and he doesn't sin. That's right. But just as you are subject to Christ, you are to be subject in everything to your husbands because God has made him your head. He may not be a good head right now. He may have to mature. He may have to grow. All of that. He may have to convert to Catholicism. But you be subject to him in everything but sin. But he doesn't judge right and he doesn't do this and he doesn't do that. If you take up his role, dear wives, he'll never do it. He'll never do it. Don't take up his role. Well, what if he doesn't pay the electric bill? Go get a supply of candles. Don't nag him. If he gets tired of living in the dark, he'll pay the electric bill. Don't take your husband's role as leaders. Don't do it. Let him gather the family for prayer. But he doesn't do it. I know. But if, you, if he senses respect from you, if he senses not that you want him to do it, but that you need him to do it. Men have an inbuilt, inbuilt um, need to be heroes, to rescue. Let him know you need him. Let the children know they need him. You need, I need you to be my knight in charming art, armor. We could pray without you, sweetheart, but we need you. I need you to lead me as my head into prayer. Would you, dear? Would you call the children and me to prayer? Would you lead us? Now, they may not still, but if they sense respect and they sense the need for them to be heroes, 
they will rise to that calling. Husbands, now it's your turn. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Even so, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no man ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. You notice that he spent a lot more time coaxing men than he did women. One sentence on women. Wives, be subject to your husbands as to the Lord. That's the command. Why? Because the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Well, I guess three sentences. As the church is subject to Christ, so let wives also be subject in everything to their husbands. When you are put off, I'll just use that language instead of stronger language, and you don't want to be subject to your husband. You don't think he deserves you to be subject to him. God hasn't given you that stipulation, whether your husband deserves it. He hasn't said whether your husband is smart or wise or, or responsible or anything. He said, be subject to your husband as, uh, as to Christ. That's it. That's it. That's those, them's your marching orders. And God knows what it'll take to make a beautiful marriage. And husbands, you are to love your wives, not to lord it over them, not to be proud, but to lay your life down for your wives as Christ laid himself down for the church. That is the love a woman can submit to, a man who lays down his life for her as Christ did the church. That is the love any woman can submit to, and that is the love that God intends a woman to submit to. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, and I mean in reference to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You must respect your husband not because he deserves it or earns it or has won your favor, but as Christ. You must respect him because God has made him head over you. And you need to respect him and obey him and come under him as you would Christ again in everything but sin, not in injury, not in sin, um, but let him take his position as the head, which he won't, if you continue to control everything in your household. That's the result of the fall, that women have become such controllers. And it's the result of the fall that men have lost much of their manhood. We can reverse that. God will uh, fill you with grace the minute you do what is right in his eyes. And th- these are, I tell you, there's no better New Year's resolutions than this. 
God bless you. And we're going to be back after the break. Call in with anything that's on your mind and uh, your heart. 1-877-511-5483. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture. Or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day. And we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a sustained life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustain life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations thank you for helping to save the culture. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener supported. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support and may God bless you and your family. There was no single event. It was more gradual. You know, eventually you just don't go one Sunday and then you don't go two Sundays in a row. Then went through a divorce and um, ended up being a single parent. If I didn't have church or God, I, I, I would be back at that lonely stage, that trouble stage. Whenever you get anxious and worry about things, you just know that Jesus has it under control. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our full half hour together for your calls, texts, and emails. The toll-free number, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Hold on. We have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Good morning, Mother. I want to first and foremost tell you how much I have learned about our faith from your evangelization. You are few and far between in today's society, and I thank you for your fortitude and dedication to this cause. To this cause. Thank you so much, Anonymous. And you haven't thanked me for my yawns. I think they're pretty steady. <clears throat> Sorry, everyone. <clears throat> She writes, I need some advice. Hold on. My husband is a wonderful man and raised a Catholic as well. However, he does not practice the faith and rarely attends Mass with us. I have two young children, three and under, oh dear. 
and feel like I am carrying the load on the religious front. I also want to practice NFP, and I do on my part, but he does not trust it and does not on his part. Oh, dear. I pray for his conversion multiple times a day, and I do suffer with this. I don't doubt that. I also struggle with the fine line of what to say to him and what not to in regards to the faith and its practices. I have asked him many times to listen to talks about NFP, attend Mass with us, talk to a priest about his issues with the church, and to attend confession. But he usually politely avoids the subject, declines or gives a short no thank you and moves on. There are times where I lose hope, get frustrated, and even become somewhat jealous of families I see at Mass or friends slash family whose husbands practice the faith. Also, although he respects my passion, sometimes I find myself internalizing much and not communicating well with him, for I know he thinks I have become somewhat fanatical. I want to make sure I'm doing all that I can as a wife to get him to heaven. However, I do not want him to distance from me and for him to think I am no longer the person he fell in love with. I will also add that I personally spoke with a priest about the NFP issue. He said that if I am doing everything on my part, tracking my cycles, faithfully following my monitor, continuously asking my husband to be open to it, etc., that I am not in mortal sin when he performs withdrawal method during the act. I bring it up in confession for a clean slate always, however. Please advise... Thank you, Mother, and God bless you. Well, I can't tell you whether you're in mortal sin or not, dear one. Um, But your husband certainly is in mortal sin. And uh, by performing that act, knowing what he will do, um, makes you culpable as well. Uh, this is a rough situation. <clears throat> you know, what I would do with him is um, get the book, The Bible and Birth Control. The Bible and Birth Control. Um, I think it's actually written by Protestants. But it is, um, I gave it to one couple who uh, would not um, uh, agree with NFP. And, uh, and the husband was a fallen away Catholic and it converted them uh, to never use a contraception again, and they weren't even Catholic yet, and then they both came into the Catholic Church. She came in and he returned after a while. Um, you cannot participate in that act, dear one. I don't want you to, your husband to think you're not the woman that he married. I want him to know you are much more than he thought he married. Um, And you need to remind him of his vows to raise the children Catholic and to live as a Catholic, otherwise he could not have married, not not legitimately in the church. If he did not intend to practice his faith or to raise the children Catholic, um, your marriage might not even be valid. If he promised those things, 
then he's breaking his vow, and that's extremely serious before God. It's not a matter of what you want him to do. It's a matter of a vow he made, and the fact that if he practices contraception, which the withdrawal method is, uh, Onan in the Old Testament, God put him to death for that very act. And uh, he is in mortal sin, and you will participate in that uh, if you're with him, knowing what he's going to do. Um, uh, Somehow, you need to give a very clear message to him that, sweetheart, I will lay down my life for you, but I will not lay down my life for you if I betray God and bring us both to hell. That I won't do. That I won't do. So during my fertile periods, we can read, we can sing together, we could go to a movie, we could do anything, but we will refrain from intimacy during my fertile period because that's what God has. That's what he has. And if we, if if you don't want to refrain, that's okay. But we cannot um, uh, put up a uh, a gate against my being pregnant. We cannot. If we have intimate relation during my fertile period, sweetheart, then we have to be open to life. If we're not, we have to refrain for that, honey. You are in mortal sin, and if you die in that sin, you will be straight to hell. And if I participate with you, I will be in hell too. Um, it, it's it's an impossibility. It, not just that I don't want us to go to hell, but I I want to love God, sweetheart. And God will bless us for his obedience. So either we refrain during that time altogether, or um, we are open to life. That's the, There's no other choice. And if you withdraw, um, and, and I know you're going to do that, we cannot have intimate relations during that time. Um, I keep going to confession, sweetheart, but I cannot, I can no longer enter into this knowing that I'm going to commit mortal sin and uh, lead you into that way as well. So um, I know your priest said you're not responsible. I am not confident of that at all. If, you, if your husband surprises you, you didn't know what he was going to do, it's a different thing. But you know what he's going to do. And so you're enabling him to do that. You're enabling him to commit mortal sin. You cannot do that. And you will be as well if you participate, knowing what he's going to do. So he has those two choices, um, to, to withhold for the week, or you have the other choice of leaving it with God if you get pregnant again. One of you has to trust God in this. Okay, I'm so sorry. That's very, very difficult. I know it, but um, you cannot put your husband in that position knowing what he will do. Um, You simply must be open to life and leave. If your husband will not cooperate whatsoever, then your NFP... um, uh, is is may not be very helpful to you, um, and just ask God to protect you uh, and give you pregnancies that He knows that you can handle. Um, <clears throat> Chris has an email and says, "I'm 72, and for some reason have never really thought about this before. What does He descended into hell mean?" Was Jesus there for three days? 
why did he go there? In all my religion classes, in grade school and high school, I cannot remember this being um, explained or really talked about. Let me just uh, take a look at this. He descended, some, uh, some say he descended to the dead. Uh, there are, um, at Easter time, you see pictures of Christ descending to the dead, Sheol, um, a waiting place, different names for hell, and one of them was Sheol. Um, let me just let me just type this in. Descended to the dead. Anytime I'm not sure of myself, I go to Catholic Answers. Um, descended into hell, um, uh, but you you see him um, taking Adam and Eve uh, out of hell uh, and raising them. Um, the waiting place. So let me see the answer um, that Catholic answers give. Jesus' descent into hell means that Jesus sojourned. This is from the Catechism number 632. He sojourned in the realm of the dead prior to his resurrection. Like all men, Jesus experienced death, physical death, and thus his soul joined others in this realm. But as the Catechism points out, he descended there as Savior and preached the good news to the spirits imprisoned there. And First Peter chapter 3, verse 19 says this. You know, anytime anyone is really confused, has a question, um, you, can, you can call Catholic Answers Live. You can ask me. I'm not as a uh, wonderful apologist as, as those that's, that magnificent staff is. I think they're the best apologetics organization on the earth. Um, <clears throat> Catholic.com on the web. But um, uh, they, their answers are wonderful. Does this mean Jesus descended into hell to deliver the damned? Does this mean Jesus destroyed the hell of damnation? Absolutely not. Scripture often uses the term hell, which is Sheol, which I said earlier, in Hebrew, and Hades in Greek. So hell in English, in Hebrew it's Sheol, and Hades in Greek. And it's referring to the, the abode of the dead, which consisted of both the righteous and the unrighteous who were deprived of the vision of God. It doesn't mean their experience of that realm was identical. Jesus made this clear in his parable of the poor man and Lazarus, Lazarus in Luke 16. The Jews affectionately referred to the righteous abode as, that's uh, the righteous abode, Sheol, Sheol as Abraham's bosom. It is these spirits to whom Jesus preached the good news. It is precisely these holy souls, not the damned, holy souls who awaited their Savior in Abraham's bosom, who Christ the Lord delivered when he descended into hell. Look up Catechism uh, 633, uh, and that'll help. Okay, it's very important. We say it, you know, we say things for years over and over again. We memorize them, and all of a sudden we think, hey, I've been saying that all my life. What does that mean? What do you mean he descended into hell for the first time you hear it? And I tell you, dear ones, if you hear it, it's the grace of God, and you should know why he went there. And in all your religion classes in grade school and high school, I can't remember this being explained or really talked about. Well, you should have been taught the Apostles' Creed, and it should have been explained. So you know that our Lord went to the place to hell, which again 
uh, in Hebrew is Sheol, in Greek is Hades, and it's the place of the living dead uh, who died in Christ. Okay. Trudy writes, hi, Mother. I have a question. Well, I shouldn't say who died in Christ. This is prior to Christ. Um, uh, And when Christ died, he went down there and he delivered those, the righteous dead, from Sheol or Abraham's bosom. Okay, we have an email from Trudy, um, which we'll take as soon as we come back from the break. Um, And you still have a... oh. More than 10 minutes, dear ones, to call in with any question on your heart. 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. beloved, this is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Praise be to Jesus. Hi, this is Joe McLean, host of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show, joining you on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We'll keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and breaking news stories of the day. That's the Catholic Drive Time, weekday morning, 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. We'll see you then. May God love you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. And we have, oh, a little more than 10 minutes. Our lines are wide open. You are absolutely welcome to call in with anything at all on your heart. And we have an email from Trudy who writes, Hi, Mother, I have a question in regards to confession. I would like to go bi-weekly or even weekly confession if possible, but I'm not sure what to confess. I've heard that some saints even confessed daily. Dear Mother, can you help me know what kind of sins they confessed? As they were obviously very holy and pious. Thank you so much. May God bless you, Trudy. Oh, dear Trudy, how could I know what sins other people confess? They didn't confess to me. I have no idea. But I know, I think it was said of... uh, Uh, St. Pope John Paul II, that he confessed every single day. You know, many people um, confess their sins, but they do not always consider sins of omission. And they can be a matter of confession. Uh, For example, uh, I failed to raise my children in the Catholic faith. That's a sin of omission. I failed to love my husband. I failed to live up to my calling as a wife. Um, I failed to learn my Catholic faith so that I could teach my children. Um, I failed to help my neighbor. I failed to serve the poor. Um, It could be anything like that, of um, omission or commission. So um, I don't know what else they confessed. Um, I remember when I was uh, in my novitiate, um, becoming a religious, I had, because I was founding this community and didn't have anyone to take me through a novitiate, I needed to go with an established order for a year of um, a cloister. And um, I, those nuns would go to confession every week. And the priest, he really was suffering. He said, I feel like I'm being stoned to death with popcorn (laughs) because they were holy, but they never failed to go to confession. It may have been that they said an unkind word. They were uncharitable. Maybe they failed to do something they really should have done in love. Maybe they held a grudge against somebody. Uh, maybe no one else would, knew what they did, but they knew in their heart what they committed. So, you know, um, one priest told me once, so I went to confession and I said, you know, Father, I'm here, but I, my sin is that I don't know my sins. I, I, I can't think of anything else. And he said to me, I never forgot it. Um, he said, the more we love God, the more we see our sins. It just like you know, when you walk into a room and there's roaches around, I can't stand the word, but they scatter because they hate the light. So in the darkness, they are free to walk. As soon as you put the light on, they scatter. And um, the closer we come to God, the more we see those dark things in our lives. So <clears throat> outside of that, Trudy, <clears throat> um, you might take a look at a good, hold on a moment. <clears throat> Maybe a good act of commission going through the Ten Commandments. Um, there's, um, there are uh, wonderful books on um, traditional Catholic pamphlets and books on confession. Um, uh, let me just say, um, 
I, I'm looking at a site. It's the traditionalcatholicpriest.com on confession, and he has 10 points to confession. And um, you may already know all these, but he says <clears throat> making a good or bad confession could depend on where you will spend your eternity, heaven or hell. He said, number one, to do an examination of conscience. Um, before planning on going to confession, it is of utmost importance to find a traditional examination of conscience. Then take time and quietly and prayerfully go over with the examination of conscience. <clears throat> Write down all the sins you've committed and take this with you. And he's he has uh, a URL to a good examination of conscience. And I haven't gone there but it is communityofhopeinc.org. Um, Communityofhopeinc.org. Um, let me just see if I can click on it. Uh, and yes, the whole site is on making a good confession. I'm going to print that out. That really um, this speaks of the sacrament of penance, and I'm going to read that myself it looks wonderful. <clears throat> Secondly, it has to be a sincere, sincere contrition. He says we need to work on truly being contrite for having sinned against God. That means we see that we were guilty of breaking God's loving laws. We take fully, we take full responsibility for having disobeyed God. We need to be very careful to not let any excuses cover our sins. Many people always have a reason for why they sinned. So what? You still broke God's law and are guilty. He says, grow up and take responsibility for your actions. This is the Catholic, traditional Catholic priest. Do not blame it on circumstances or other people. They will not be there when you are judged. Just you and God. Number three, he says, you, you need to have deep sorrow. Once we are contrite and have taken responsibility for having sinned, we also need to work on a true and deep sorrow for having done the sin. This means meditating on the pains we caused for Jesus and the harm we have done to ourselves and to others when we sinned. The monks used to have a cry room. It was not for babies who cried. It was a room where they went and cried for having been so sinful and having crucified Jesus and hurt others. This is true sorrow. Fourth, we need to have a firm rev resolution to sin no more. So we are contrite. We are sorry, but now we need to do something about these easily worked up feelings. It is one thing to say I'm sorry to someone after I've been caught or feel guilty, but it takes much more effort to stop doing what I have done against them. This is something that has to be diligently worked on. Before going to confess, be sure, be sure you have a firm resolution to change your way of living and especially in the area of your life that is displeasing to God. Um, the email we read earlier of the, the so-called Catholic marriage where the husband uh, will not, is not practicing, is not going to Mass, which means he's in mortal sin because he, he claims to be Catholic, married in the Catholic Church, and does not respect his wife's um, wanting to obey God through NFP, and he commits a very grave sin 
every single time. And uh, the wife has said that she goes to confession. He does not. But, dear one, to go to confession and know that you're going to continue in that way, um, even though you're not um, leading the way your husband is, but you are a partner to it, um, uh, it's not good. It, it's not good. When we go to confession, we need to have a firm resolution not to repeat it, not to go back into the same circumstance. Number five, concrete plans to avoid the occasion of sin. If the Internet is causing you to sin, you need to be willing to give up using the Internet. If a person is tempting you to sin... Um, A few examples would be to have sex, use drugs, drinking or gambling. That person has to be avoided. Many so-called friends or family members are really instruments of the devil to get us to sin. Jesus says it is better to pluck out an eye, cut off a hand or a foot, rather than to be thrown into hell for all eternity. Whatever it is that is causing you to sin, get rid of it or get rid of the friendship. Oh, I can't finish this as I would love to, dear ones. Go to traditionalcatholicpriest.com, ways to make a good traditional Catholic confession. And we will see you tomorrow. There's our closing music. God bless you. Mm